0: Welcome to Your Best Writing Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb, and each week I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I am so very, very glad that you're listening in today. Today we're sharing how to get multiple writing contracts in a year. My industry expert is Karen Whiting. Karen writes to help families thrive. In 2021, she had four books release, and in 2022, she has three books scheduled for release, which includes four separate book launches and promotion as well. Her 2021 books are Devos for Brave Boys, which is Tyndall Kids, The Supersized Book of Bible Craft Gifts, which is Rose Kids, a division of Tyndale House Publishing, Growing a Mother's Heart, AMG, and 52 weekly devotions for family prayer, Rose Kids as well. She's a mom of five, including two, count them, two rocket scientists, and a grandmother. Karen enjoys adventure like camel riding in the Canary Islands, white water rafting in Australia, scuba diving off Bermuda's coast, and this coming summer, she heads to the Mediterranean. I wish I was in her suitcase. Please welcome Karen Whiting to Your Best Writing Life. Karen, it is great to have you.
1: Oh, it's so good to be here with you, Linda. You are such a good friend, fabulous host, and, you know, we just have fun together when we're talking about books
0: We do. We always enjoy ourselves when we're talking about books, especially with the knowledge that you have, Karen. I am so excited for our listeners today because you are bringing a lot. Let's begin with our content for today how to prepare to get lots of contracts in a year. And here's a key and be able to meet all the deadlines. Karen, you've had a group of books released in the same year a number of times including when you started. Would you just tell us how, as a new author, you received contracts for four books from three different publishers in the same week?
1: Yes. I listened to what people told me to do. I was a new author. I didn't know anything. And one of the questions I asked was, okay, you've told me how to do a proposal law. Once I do that, what do I do next? And what they told me, everyone I asked said, oh, just work on another proposal. So I did that. Nowadays, they really tell people to work on the platform. And I just kept sending them out because I didn't know any better. And all of a sudden, on my birthday week in the middle of the summer, I received contracts for four books. I mean, in the meantime, I had one place that I was writing for regularly for a magazine, and the publisher was Simon & Schuster. So they called and asked me to do a book. I had another one I met at a conference and gave her a proposal. And She was going to have me do it, but all of a sudden they had, and I didn't know this either, something called a publishing hole, which meant they lost a book contract, something went wrong, and they needed to fill it quick. So she called and asked, could you do this by such and such a date? And that was within hours of getting the other call from Simon & Schuster. This was Concordia Publishing. But my daughter was home from college, and she said, Mom, you know what? I really want to work on being more efficient and everything. I'll take over the kitchen for the summer so you can write, which was great. And then a different publisher I had met, and she'd asked me to work up a contract based on a discussion we had at a meal at a conference. When I sent her the proposal, she came back and said, Could you make this a two-book proposal and send it back to me? And I did that. And they all came in in the same week. And the end of the week, I got a no for a different proposal. And thought, "Oh Lord, I'm so thankful for the no." <laughs> I had to play with the deadlines everyone wanted, knowing certain ones they really needed quickly, so that I could get all of that done in time. I had no idea this could happen. And I, I had said, "What if they were all contracted at once?" And they said, "Oh, that never happens. But if it does, it's it's an offer." It's, dream. And I thought afterwards, I thought, no, I think that's an author's nightmare.
0: <laughs> that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yes. and, and Karen, you have been so successful with it. And what I really appreciate about you and having you on today is that everyone could hear based on your bio that I just shared, you're continuing to have multiple contracts at one time and multiple books coming out in a year. That's what makes this so credible. That's what makes listening to you something everyone needs to do during this session. I'll tell you that right now. So I'm so glad that you're here with us. Let's take a look at how can someone create successful proposals? I know that that's a key for you. And you do this so well. I know that you work with your writing clients, your coaching clients with this, and they have been successful in writing proposals as well. So let's take a look at that. How can someone create successful proposals that actually grab the attention and secure contracts and keep the interest of editors in multiple books?
1: Right. (laughs) And, you know, one thing is to know your umbrella. To know what everything is going to be underneath. For me, that's all about the family. But whatever you are, you should know what are you all about. That way you also know what to say no to and what not to work on. And the other thing is you need to show why that book is needed and why your particular slant is going to work. And I do research, I will go to sciencedaily.com and various places to see what research has been done on a topic that I have within my book. That can be for a top, an issue within fiction, or that can be for, like me writing nonfiction, the topics themselves. Uh, I check government statistics stats from a source that relate to my topic. Say on Bible literacy, it could include general literacy facts from educational sources, plus Bible literacy facts from the Barna Group and other places like AmericanFamilyAssociation.net, AFA.net, and that should be in the proposal. So in my proposal, before I even get to the marketing section, I put in a section that says need for the book, and I give them links. With each link, I tell them why that shows part of the need for that book, All right, because they always say, well, we don't know if this is really needed. Maybe that's too small of an audience, so you need to counter that by being proactive and letting them know why this is needed. Now, every proposal should also include extending the book into a series or a companion book and ideas like a Bible study to go with the book. Like Linda, you write books on personalities and right. I know you've had a whole series, but you can extend that into a different depth if you were going to do devotions, say for your one book that you have for personalities, for parents. You could also do a work study for them on how to do that type of thing. So you can go into a depth or the breadth of having different audiences for the same topic or more types of books that would give them fully equipped information for them. So that's part of what I look at when I'm sending something out is what else can go with this book. And that. Right away, lets the editor and the agent see that you are not just a one book wonder. You're going to have a breadth of books, and that interests them because usually takes three books under a publisher before they're really starting to make money from that author. That's one thing. Then every book needs to state how it can benefit that target audience. Even a craft book, like I just did, includes both developing skills like cutting as well as creativity and. Some specifics, such as a theme within the book. So my craft book isn't just a paper craft book that I co-wrote with my daughter, but it's all about kindness and encouragement. Every piece of paper that you do is either used to tell a story and adding encouragement or to write words on it of kindness and encouragement. And therefore, it's not just a craft book. It has more depth to it. Then show how these can connect for the audience. I am helping you and giving you other needed tools is basically what you're saying to the editor that the reader is going to find out that I'm giving you more value and more than you might expect from a normal book. Know that you want to create that body of works, okay, and so that, you know, whether it's fiction and you're going to have a larger story, a saga that they'll want to follow or, If it's going to be, as I said, the nonfiction book, and you can have more to a series or you can have a depth of different types of books. So my book that came out in the spring, Growing a Mother's Heart, this coming spring has Growing a Mother's Heart Bible Study, and in the fall has Growing a Peaceful Heart. You can see right there, when I had pitched the original proposal, I had pitched some other ideas that would go with it to extend it into more of a series.
0: I really like that because you are setting yourself up for success. You're letting editors know that you're not just a one book writer and you're helping them. What we're doing is we're shortening any type of research that they have to do on their end to make sure they realize the value of what we're bringing to their publishing house, the value of what we're bringing to our readers. It's a lot of work on our end, but it's worth every moment of effort that we put towards that, right?
1: Yes, it is. And you're basically giving the editor, the agent, ammunition to help them sell it to the next group. The agent has to sell the idea to the editor. The editor has to sell it to the marketing team and salespeople so that they know everybody agrees this is saleable material not just great writing you need that combination
0: well this is good i know that these are a portion of what is in a successful proposal is there anything else that you wanted to share with us on the proposal portion of this today
1: don't overlook the market analysis a lot Mm. of people think oh there's no book like mine there's always something like yours Whether it's just another nonfiction book, I mean, it could be that general, or whether it's a parenting book or whatever, there is something in there. If not, then there's no place to shelve it, and it makes it harder to sell if it's that unique. And sometimes people do have a breakout type of a book that starts another category, but not often. The other thing that happens every time you pick up a book that you're going to put in your analysis, you have... Hopefully found one that's been successful to show that this topic sells, but it also has an author you can follow and see how they are reaching their audience. You might be able to connect with and do something with them, even getting an endorsement to help sell your book. So don't overlook that part. A lot of people kind of gloss over, try to do it very quickly. It's a really important step.
0: And I keyed into make sure that the books that you use for comparison are successful. Because I would think giving an agent a list of books comparable to yours that are not successful, that would almost put a negative connotation on what it is that you're trying to offer. Well, none of these have been successful, but mine will. I don't know that that would play out well, Karen.
1: No, it would not. And I've seen some people try to do that so they could make their book look better, but it backfires on them. And the other thing that happens is some people try to put down every comparative title. You shouldn't do that either because your editor that is being approached with it or the agent may have been a part of that particular book. They may have worked with that author and they may have been an editor for it or an agent for that book. So you want to instead highlight what's unique about your book that makes it have a different slant or something else in it that readers need that that particular author that wasn't their focus but this is your focus.
0: Yes, that's great. We don't have to we don't have to push down anyone else's stuff. We just highlight what's unique about ours and what we bring that's different. That's really what they're looking for. So that's great advice, Karen. Great advice. Besides creating a set of proposals and having the ideas that you've got How do you prepare to write all these books in the time that you have?
1: Yes, I use spreadsheets, okay? Whether you want to use some sort of a chart and write it by hand or you want to use a spreadsheet, the whole thing is it's a simple way to look visually at it. It's a way that I can look at every component of every unit. So if it's 365 devotional, I'm going to have 365 rows and going across for every column, I'm going to have What's going to be the scripture? What's the focus? What's the takeaway? How does that fulfill one of the needs of the reader that I said I will be giving them? And so it's laid out for me. And if if it was to be a fiction book, then you'd want a row for every chapter, and your components would be the character, the plot, the action, the takeaway. Also, or what's going to uh, how's a chapter going to end that hooks them into reading the next chapter? Any of those types of things, if you have laid out the whole book this way, even if it takes a few years to get a contract, when you get the contract, you can go back and say, I know what I'm writing about. It's already here. You know, if it's a Christian living book and you're going to use a story every time, you should be putting in what those stories are, what those anecdotes are, anything so that you have put it in that spreadsheet in such a way that you can pick it up and say, I know exactly what to do. I even in there, if there's any research or links that I want that was going to give me more information on something I'm writing about, I put that in the spreadsheet too.
0: And I happen to be glancing at the giveaway that you have for our listeners. And I'm going to tell you folks, she is sharing spreadsheets here, what they look like for her. I mean, literally how she uses them in her books. You're going to love the content that you're receiving today on top of what you're hearing Karen share and go into a little bit deeper. So she doesn't have like blank spreadsheets for you, but you can see exactly what it is that she's talking about. And you're going to be able to do this for yourself as well. So this is good. Karen, what's a simple way to share all of these related ideas with editors and agents?
1: I create a catalog of my book ideas. It's just my own simple thing that I started doing years ago in which on one page I will list book ideas I have for say women. Another page might be for girls, another one might be for boys, another one might be craft ideas because those are the types of books I write. And then I can show that or just take the pages out that might relate to that editor because maybe they don't cover children's books or maybe that's all they cover. I can pull out that part of it. And with each title of the book, I give a very quick one or two sentence synopsis of what that's going to be about. Therefore, they can see that. And I might even put related books there. So say for stress, a Christian living book on stress, I could put down that, uh, can also be extended to a workbook or bible study, devotional, and more books. Okay. And so that's where I not only put down what I already have a proposal for, but what I could do no proposals on for that. And you know, this can be done whether you're a one-note author like my friend Sandra Felton. When she wrote her book for Messies, she moved forward with more books on motivating the family to Keep the home organized, living with a messy, organizing tough spots like the office desk and a devotional. So her messy became a whole brand on a whole lot of books under that umbrella. And I don't remember how many books she's done, but she certainly has sold over a million or two million copies of her books in total. But that's where you see and show them by just a very simple little catalog that lists these things because an editor is a reader unlike the marketing people. And while you're pitching one idea, they can be looking down and looking at that. I've many times had somebody say, you know, I'm interested a little bit in what you have to say, but I want you to tell me more about this book that you have written down here. And then I switch over to the book that interests them more.
0: So you actually have a list that you set in front of them. And you start talking to them about the one that you're currently pitching, but if they're perusing the list themselves, they may come up with, and I like how you put this, they're going to come up with a title or a thought or an idea that interests them the most. So having options available, Karen, that's brilliant. Yes. And I've
1: sold... Sometimes not the book I was pitching, but one of the other books from the catalog. So you never know. But if you're prepared, because you don't know that already they have just contracted a book that competes with what you're trying to give them, but they like your writing, they like your ideas, they realize you have a lot of potential. So they look down and they say, oh, we don't have this. That's what I want to know about. Or we have something that we need more in that category. And it's it's really good to do that, and it's also a good way to connect with editors or an agent, and continue on what you can do in the future with them, even if you're not doing something right then.
0: Well, let me ask you this, pertaining to the catalog of ideas, on each of your ideas, do you already have a proposal prepared for your ideas? Or are these strictly just ideas?
1: If I have a proposal, I put in there that proposal ready. Okay. okay? If it's just an idea, then I don't write that there's a proposal ready for it. Normally, the main things I have are going to be the ones with proposals. And then below it, I would have, as I said, this could be extended to these other types of books within the topic And therefore they have an idea how I'm going to be working with it and how I would come up with that. And, you know, because they may say, you know, we have a book on stress, but we don't have a devotional. We don't have a Bible study. So let me find out more about
0: what you would have in that. Okay. That's good. Having multiple contracts in one year and you're sending out these multiple proposals, how much time do you give yourself to finish the nonfiction books when the house says, when can you have this ready?
1: Okay. When I write, because I have to give them a sample of the book. So whether it's one to three chapters or maybe only 10 devotions, I get a sense of how long that took me. And from there in the proposal, I will tell them it will be ready X number of months after signed contract.
0: And that even works for you if you have multiple contracts that come in. Can you change that up if you have multiple contracts that come in? And folks, I'm just believing this for you. If you're going to put the proposal, it's like they say, put the proposals out there and they will come. All right. So if they put the proposals out, the proposals are accepted. Do we then say to a publishing house, oh, this is great. I did just sign another book contract with another publishing house, and that one is due at this time, do we let them know I might need an extension, or how do we work out that? Because I think that could be a little ticklish, maybe.
1: Yes, and I do that, but there are certain things. This year, with the craft book that came out, that same publisher had given me a deadline for March 1st, then they wanted to contract this book for April 1st. And I thought, I can't get it quite done, but I know their problem. They want to get it out because they had a publishing hole and they need to do all that artwork. So I said, I can give you half the book by April 1st and the other half by May 1st so your artists can get started. And they said, that'll work for us. And I possibly even could have extended that to June, but I knew I could do it in that time frame. And that worked out. There are times when we'll say, well, this book just got contracted, so we're going to have to, it can be six in six months, but it's going to have to be after this particular time of the major writing of the other book, because she can edit it while she's also writing the new book. And, you know, my agent works with me on that. And I also, when I put in how long it'll take me, I always add in a cushion, add in a month or two more often, or a number of weeks if it's a shorter book because I don't know if something's going to happen in the family. I've got five children, 14 grands. I don't know if something's going to happen with my health. And so I like to build in a little bit of extra time.
0: Right. And that's good. If we have that built in, it does give, that, give us flexibility and life happens. And we need to be attentive to life, though we love writing, We need to love our life as well. So I appreciate that you build that in so that there's a little bit of flexibility there. Very, very good. Well, let's look at networking, Karen. And I know that you say networking matters, and it really, really does. So how do you build both an editor-agent network and a reader network? If you'd start with the editor-agent network and just give us your thoughts. Okay, I
1: always think it's best if you can meet some of these editors at conferences. If there's a publisher you really like to write for, go to a conference where that publisher is going to be attending. Now, sometimes people cancel out of faculty. They try not to, of course, but that's one way to do it. Follow them in their publishing house online and interact there too. And then once you're at all in contact with an agent or an editor, Go ahead and follow up if they've asked you to send something and it's not going to be there as quick as they might want it. Send them a thank you first and say, this should be ready by such and such a date. And let them know that if it takes a little bit longer, send another note. You know, hopefully that won't happen because you've given yourself the right amount of time and told them it would take you three months or whatever to get the proposal in. You have to have a sense of how long it takes you to write a proposal. I've done so many proposals over the years. I can write a proposal in just a couple of days, put it aside and polish it off so I can turn them around fast. If you're not used to it, you can get help from someone else to help you do that proposal from a coach and get it done a little faster that way too. And start that communicating process. When you see that publishing house comes out with a book, in fact, if you've met them in person, you might say, What's coming out next that you're really proud of? What are you excited about? And when they tell you, make a note of that. When that book comes out, send the editor a note. Say, you know, I got a copy and I loved it. I can see why you were so excited about it. It's just having some communication with them. When you do get a contract, always make sure you communicate. I just uh, sent off something to my editors at both Rose and Tyndale that I have some TV shows I booked yesterday that will be in February to give them the dates, to ask them to send the producers copies of the books and this sort of thing. And of course, one got back to me very quickly and said, well, don't forget to send us the links after the shows go up so we can broadcast about that.
0: Hmm. That's good, because when you're working with a traditional house, they're your family. And they want to come alongside you and they get excited when they know that you are out there promoting the product in front of your listeners, in front of viewers. And absolutely, you're going to get them every link you could possibly find for them.
1: (laughs) Yes. and, And if I do an article, I send them that article link because they'll post that on their Facebook page and have more people reading it. It also spreads my article. If I get feedback on any ROI of maybe this article, like when I did for Mother's Day with my growing a mother's heart, had 140,000 hits in four days, I let them know that because that's exciting to them. That's more result than I'm going to get on Facebook or anywhere.
0: That's right. And we have to be aware. Again, it's due diligence as the writer, as the author, I have to be so passionate about not just the content of what I'm writing but the reach the listeners the publishing house the every, I mean every avenue of it the marketing marketing should not be a fearful thing it should be something that I'm excited to participate in and you had mentioned Karen that if you're not sure about proposals, if you're not sure how to create what you need to have in a timely fashion, get with a coach. We're going to talk about that in a little bit about what you do for your writing clients because it is key. As writers, we don't always know everything, folks. You just got to put that in your in your under your hat. We're not knowledgeable of every single thing that that deals with the riding journey, but we know people who are, and we must choose to invest in ourselves, invest in what the Lord is doing in and through us for it to be the best that it can be. And at times that will involve getting a riding coach, especially someone who is worth their salt. You can see their track record. You know what they have accomplished. So you should be able to glean a lot from an expert writing coach. We'll talk about that shortly here. Now, what else do you want to share for the editor-agent networking portion? And then I'd love for you to go into how you build that for the reader well, network.
1: Yes. I would say as soon as they're interested in want a proposal... Even once you've sent the proposal, if something new comes up, you've gotten some articles published, You all of a sudden you're going to be interviewed somewhere. In my case, the four books that were coming out, before I even had the book in, I became the host of a TV show on puppetry. And I said to my editor, is there any way to get me a copy of the cover of the book? And she said, send us some of the puppets. And I did that. And they did a mock-up book with the cover on it. So I had something to hold up on that first television show. And that's just communicating and keeping in contact. But they were excited. They said, "Wow! Well, not only do we have a book, but we now have a TV show that goes along with this book that's coming out. And that made them more excited about the that before it even released. And that book did quite well for a teacher resource book that it was then let them let them know other things that are happening while I was teaching puppetry at a festival. Someone else came to me and said, "I love your book. I'm going to take it. I have a sixty city show where I'm going to be going around and teaching on puppetry, and I'm going to sell your book everywhere I go." Wow. Well, that certainly helped it, but I needed to let my editor know, and all of this because besides doing the spreadsheet for the book. I do a marketing spreadsheet that tells me where everything has gone and what's been the result of anything. So things like that that come up, I put in it. And when I have that type of thing, I was able to get an agent fairly easily with that. It's all that communicating, keeping some records of what you're doing. And As I said, once you send in the proposal, you have something more that's all of a sudden growing your platform. They need to know that. That helps them get that contract for you.
0: Absolutely. And I like what you said before. You said that the agents are readers, editors are readers, but those further up the chain, they're not necessarily the readers. They want to see truly what's in it for them as a business, as a company. And when you can prepare your contact, your agent, your editor with information, they're going to feel empowered. They're going to walk in with that sword ready to go and they're going to say, this is what, what, what I have. This is why it's important. This is why we need to step forward with it. So that's great information.
1: Yes. So part of that, in order to have something to connect with it, communicate to an editor or an agent. Look for opportunities to build your own case, sort of building your platform. Look for speaking, blogging, article opportunities, videos, podcasts, and more to help you showcase your concept and how you're the one to write it. Connect into places where you can be affirmed that might be an influencer later. When I realized my umbrella was the family. I thought, well, then I want to write for Focus on the Family. They're sort of the biggest outfit out there that people associate with family and Christianity. And I applied to be a writer, and I was accepted. And I wrote for them for a number of years till they stopped doing their parenting magazines. But that connected me in, and I've you know done books with Jesse Florio, who was one of the editors of one of those parenting magazines, and he's the editor of Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior. So. A lot of connections can grow into other connections and that's part of what you want to look for join and be active in organizations that are within the heart of your audience so if you find an organization and maybe you're writing on cancer and you find an organization about your type of cancer then join that find out who and there are influencers who can help you. Interview some of the people for part of your book because that gives them a vested interest in the book when it comes out. Just make sure that you're also building your reader network and making connections with readers by doing that in your social media. It may be small, but if you're engaging the people, that's more important. I I find I can engage people more when I do a Facebook Live than any other way with my connections on social media although I've been doing more of that within my launch teams than I have in my general social media. I'll be coming up on that in the new year, though.
0: So when you're connecting with your reader network, it's knowing who you're writing to. And you had mentioned this earlier. Look at your umbrella. Are you writing under one umbrella or are you trying to hold several umbrellas? And if you are, it's going to be difficult, I would think Karen, to build a strong reader base if you're not focusing on one umbrella.
1: Yes, that is, and sometimes the editor or agent doesn't see the umbrella, and they will say, "But what's your brand? How do these books for women and children military all come together And I can say it all strengthens the family. This is book for the children is equipping them." with skills they need when they become parents in the future. This book for the mom is helping her cope with her own emotions so she can be a better mom. And when you can put it that way, people get you. They even know who to go to when they want something. And you can sometimes, like I have, get calls from editors or from an agent saying, could you do this book?
0: And I like your immediate tag on your bio. It has Karen Whiting writes to help families thrive. So when you write, people know that your content is going to help families thrive. And that may be one thing that our listeners want to focus on too is what is that drive? What is it that when you write, this is why you write and that purpose I think can really develop a stronger umbrella. So this is very good. Anything else that you want to add as far as um, building a reader network or with the agent editor network before we move on?
1: No, I think, you know, this is just all part of what you need to do and building that reader network is that's more of a one connection at a time. You know, within Facebook, I like to use the list Mm -hmm so that I can send something out to just those people that are really my target audience mm. and not just post to everyone something that may be more for my moms.
0: Mm. I like that. Well, I know that you are giving our listeners a great tool that they'll be able to use. And what we've got is organizing with spreadsheets. Tell, tell them a little bit of what they're going to receive with this, Karen.
1: Well, they will have a link to an article I wrote in the Right Conversation blog post, and they will also receive some actual sample spreadsheets of how I do them and how they are put together so that they can have an example and say, oh, now I see what's in a row. I see what's in a column. I can figure out how to do my own. I mean, I've had some people just have me as a coach to help them figure those out too, because they couldn't uh, logically come up with what they wanted to put in there. And and that's okay. I I don't mind, you know, coaching people on those either. But normally, if you see these samples, that gives you uh, an idea of how do I proceed? How do I start getting so organized that it's easy for me to do this?
0: Perfect. Which... Lends itself directly into a nice segue as a writing and marketing coach. What is it that you help your clients with?
1: Well, generally, it's whatever they need. So some of them just don't even know how to focus on their topic, and I may be helping them with that. Some of them may need something simple, saying, I keep being told my writing's too academic. How can I make it more relatable to the reader? And I work with them on techniques for that. Now, I'm not editing and changing their writing i'm giving them the tools by asking them questions and all of how they can learn to do it themselves so we may go through a couple of chapters really looking at things now they can do the whole rest of the book and if they want help with the proposal then it's helping them understand how to organize it giving them ideas of okay you need to as i had mentioned the needs are important where are you going to find the information where have you done your research Can you go back and find some articles there? What benefits? If you have a need, there should be a benefit that comes out of that need that you are helping people to solve this problem or you're showing them an easier way to do something. And that way we can only put down the list of needs, but up further, the opening part of the proposal, we can have you then take that and put those as a list of benefits. So it's just working on all those parts of the proposal to make it really strong and to do it in just a few weeks if somebody's already waiting for that proposal from you.
0: You do offer a lot. I have sat under your teaching several times and you give such great insight you brainstorm so wonderfully well that you'll bring up things that many people just never even thought about. So I really encourage if you're considering a writing coach, contact Karen, see if he could set up a time for you to, you know, see if you you would work well together. I call it the "Do We Fit" session, and I know that Karen has something like that. And what we're going to do, folks, is we are we will have. Every link down in the show notes for you to be able to get in touch with Karen, what her newest books are, where you can find her being active on social media, and how to reach her as well. So, Karen, this has been great. I really appreciate you being on with us today. And Karen, I am excited about your latest book that you have out, Devos for Brave Boys with Tyndall Kids. Such a great book. I've read it. I've, I think I wrote an endorsement for it. I really, really like it. I have grand boys. And so this is one book I want in all of their hands. I'm sure that that has been just flying off the shelves for you.
1: You know, I never know how it's going at first, but I eventually find out when you're not the indie publisher, you don't see the numbers except a couple times a year, sometimes only once a year. But I do know that boys are enjoying that, and I think that it's something needed both to promote Bible literacy, literacy in general, and to inspire boys to be brave in a world where a lot of people are putting men and boys
0: down still. That's right. So we need that. We We need our boys to be brave for sure. Thank you so much, Karen, for being on Your Best Writing Life today. I greatly appreciate your information and your passion to help writers be their best.
1: Well, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on with you, Linda.
0: Well, I can't wait for the next time. And thank you, my friends, for joining us. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review, because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being with you here next time on Your Best Writing Life.